Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Dr. Elizabeth Cohen is the author of The Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. Dr. Cohen, who I grew up with basically and called her Lizzie, but I'm going to call her Dr. Cohen now, is a clinical psychologist. And her book, Light at the Other Side of Divorce, debuted at number one on Amazon in popular psychology. She is the CEO and founder of the online divorce course and membership Afterglow. The Light at the Other Side of Divorce. Dr. Cohen is the CEO of the Center for CBT in New York City. Her online course teaches women how to heal, grow, and thrive after divorce, no matter how difficult the process has been. Gosh, I should have called her when I got divorced. Dr. Cohen received her PhD in clinical psychology from Boston University. She was the recipient of the prestigious American Psychological Foundation Research Award for her research on the emotional effects of 9-11. She has been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Women's Health, HuffPost, Thrive Global, Daily Beast, and Good Housekeeping. She is a weekly contributor to Psychology Today with her Divorce Course column. Dr. Cohen's Divorce Doctor podcast, which shares people's divorce stories, hit 10,000 downloads in only three months. Hello, Dr. Cohen. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss light on the other side of divorce, discovering the new you. 
Thank you for having me so much. I'm really excited to be here. Last time when we did our IG live, I was calling you Lizzie and I was like, I'm sure nobody else calls you Lizzie. Anyway, we've known each other for a very long time. And so it's very nice to be in this Zoom together talking books. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so happy to be here. And it is amazing to kind of think back, you know, I've known you so long, you know, where my life has gone, where your life has gone and how I think both of us really used what we went through to create something new. And as we were just saying earlier, maybe shift some stigmas and shift the way some things are. So yeah, go us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And also, you know, both of us have gone through divorce. You wrote really openly about it in the beginning of this book. And I love that because, you know, I opened up your and it's like, here's my story. I'm like, great. That's all I look for. Right. When I open, but I just want to know what is this person's story? And like, I want to cut through all the other stuff. So you laid it all out there right away. And then of course, like once we know you, it's much easier to take your advice, right? I mean, it's much easier to take advice from someone you feel a connection with than just like jumping into someone's book and being like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to listen to you. So anyway, maybe you could tell the listeners a little about your story that you shared in the book and then even why you decided to make this book and your treatment and you know your whole career now and centered on helping others. Yeah. Thanks. It's actually funny that you say that, that you want to hear someone's story in order to then be taught by them. Because as a trained clinical psychologist, right, we're taught completely the opposite. It's like, don't tell your story. (laughs) No, no. But I think that was actually a really big step for me was actually to realize that my story was powerful, that I could help people even more, not being a blank slate, not being someone who didn't have a story, but really shared the story. So you could so that I could get it. Because a lot of times people, even with therapists, think like, I know you're empathic, but do you actually get it? And you can never ask your therapist that question. So I answered that very openly. And yes, so I went through a divorce when my children were six months and two years old. So they were tiny babies. And I was married to someone who struggled with the addiction of alcoholism. And I didn't want to get divorced. I wanted to continue. I, as a therapist, thought I could help him. I could guide him. I could make it all better. And I did everything I most possibly could until I just couldn't anymore. And it felt scarier to stay in the relationship than to leave. And leaving felt terrifying. So that's how scary it felt to be in the relationship for me. And I didn't have any friends at that time. I was about 30 who had gone through a divorce. I felt, I grew up in the same marinated space that we all did. I thought it was really terrible to get divorced. Like I still thought it was like broken home and I failed. And here I was this high achieving person. I had failed. I had a lot of shame about it. And I was also really unsure of how I was ever going to raise kids in a way that they felt okay without this, what I thought this kind of like Disney idea of a marriage. And so I felt really gutted. And I remember looking at on Google and looking up divorce recovery programs and really finding nothing And that that was sending me a message that I guess I wasn't going to recover. Like if there isn't something out there, then I must not. And so I pieced together because of the privilege of my training, a program for myself, one step forward, two steps back, like just to try to get through all of the crap around it. And I just, I was so surprised when people would come to me and say, oh my God, you seem so much happier. You seem so much better. How did you do it? And I thought, yeah, no one talks about how you can actually heal and thrive after a divorce. Like, oh, people only talk about the sad stories. So I thought, I want to share this with other people and I want to be able to help other people step through this because I have a better life now than I ever could have. And I'm 
people say this, I'm grateful to my ex-husband for what we went through because I would not have, I wouldn't be who I am now. I wouldn't be in the relationship I am now. I wouldn't be the parent I am unless I had to face that deep pain and my own shit, basically. I, think <laughs> I can curse on this, right? Go for it. Yeah. Like my own, if I hadn't dealt with my own stuff, I wouldn't have been able to move through. And so the divorce brought me to my knees, but I, it also brought me to my, my best strength. Funny how the worst times tend to do that, right? Like that's the trade-off. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I think, I think if you're willing to look into the darkest times, because I can tell you that many people just try to find another thing to fill that. But if you're willing, I tell the story in the book that there was a moment where people asked me in the playground about my ex-husband. And I told this drastic story, which were all real, but these really dramatic, intense story. And I left, and I don't know if I'm just remembering this, you know how memory is like, <laughs> but I was in Central Park and like 100th Street and there were these two, like two paths and I could go one or the other. And I remember thinking, Liz, are you going to tell this story? Like, is this going to be your story that you're going to tell for the rest of your life? Are you going to tell his story essentially and you as the victim? Or are you going to figure out compassionately and lovingly how the hell you ended up here? Like you ended up here somewhere, sweetie. Like this didn't happen overnight. Let's try to understand how you got here and how to make sure that doesn't happen again, compassionately and lovingly. Wow. That's that nice self-care voice we're all supposed to use, right? Is that what it sounds like? I haven't heard it actually. I've been trying that's to conjure it, you know, but okay. just so you know, adding words like honey, uh-huh. sweetheart, those are, that's really that's the trick. Help. Okay. Yep. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Yep. <laughs> well, you also talked about your eating situation and how you were so overly restrictive and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that and how that played into your treatment at the time and all of it. Can you talk a little bit about that, that piece of your life? Sure. So when I was in college in my senior year, I started, I was in a relationship that was very, very unhealthy for me, probably very similar to my relationship with my ex-husband. And I couldn't control that. So I started controlling food. And when I graduated, I came back to New York City. And this was before there was like a just salad on every corner. And I had been used to eating salads in the dining hall and I couldn't find any on Broadway. And I walked for like two hours in a panic. Like, what if I couldn't find this one thing that was going to make me feel okay. And so I decided to go to therapy because I thought, okay, I don't think it's supposed to take two hours for you to decide what you're going to eat. And the therapist said to me, you know, I think you have a problem with asserting your needs. And she, when she said that word needs, I really recall thinking like, I don't know what that word means. Like I, I, it feels, I know that's an English word, but it feels like a language I don't speak. I don't have any needs. I take care of others. I think about other people and I kind of manage myself, but I don't have any needs. And just so people know, like this work takes a long time. It's not like I suddenly had some like amazing epiphany and changed my whole life. Like, no, that was about 10 years before I got married. Like I was still in the not acknowledging my needs for a long time. Wow. It's really hard to acknowledge the needs, especially when you're in a situation in which you're not going to be able to meet them. Exactly. And if you don't even know what you need, it's really hard to know who you want to be with because my needs were so focused on, well, I, he was really, you know, crazy quote unquote in love with me. And I thought that was all I really needed was someone to be like crazy about me. But I didn't realize there was other things besides that, like humility and mutual respect and the ability to communicate. I just, I never was taught that that's really what makes a relationship. My parents didn't get divorced, but really should have. They 
really dislike, still continually dislike each other, but never <laughs> left each other. And they thought it was to help me but and my sister, but really it was not helpful. It was really painful. I think it was useful to me to have this role model of my parents both being really happily remarried and my grandparents both being really happily remarried as if like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And now I'm very happily remarried and my poor kids are just doomed. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, do, do, does everybody have to get a divorce? And I'm like, no, everybody doesn't have to get a divorce. It's just like happens to be the way it is in our family. And I think also if you start thinking about divorce as the same way you'd look at like switching a job, you know, that something works for you for a period of time and then it no longer, and you release it and you transition to something else, then maybe it doesn't have to be doomed. It can just be how we accept transitions in relationships. No one says to you, why didn't you stay in that same job for 50 years and celebrate it at an event? Like we just don't put that pressure, but we do put that pressure on marriage, which is really unfair, I think. It's true. Sometimes now I look at couples, like we just were with this couple over the weekend. They've been together 20 years, you know, and I'm like, and they're our age. Actually, they're younger yeah. than me. They're like five years younger than me, which is crazy. And I'm like, wow. You know, like, and I was just kind of like looking at them, like they've only, like they haven't been in, and they haven't, it's just crazy. It just, sometimes it blows my mind that people can stay together for that long. And like, maybe it's because of my own failure that I'm, I have so much sort of respect, but they seemed really happy too, which is the thing, you know? So. Well, I also think you should be careful, more self-care about your using the word failure. I don't think it's a failure. It's, you know, getting divorced means you saw that something wasn't working for you or for the other person. And you went with it. You went with the reality of what was happening as opposed to resisting what was really happening. We're not going to talk about me. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I can't help it as a therapist. That's okay. I'll call you later. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But okay. So in the book, you outline all sorts of things, journal, exercise, everything, charts, everything. So what is something, let's say someone has a friend who's getting divorced. Yes. Because a lot of people have friends who are getting divorced. Yeah. What, probably more so than the people who are getting, anyway, we'll do both. But like, what should we say? Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, and not, you know, what can people do when their friends are getting divorced? Such a good question. Besides buy the book for them. Aside from buy the book, which is the first thing you need to do, like on the other side of divorce. Buy the book for your friends. But here, when I got divorced, I I don't know if this happened for you, Zibi, but when I got divorced, people had either one or two of two reactions, either I'm so sorry, that's so terrible, how awful, or how did you do that? You have two young kids, like tell me how you did it. And I've learned a long time ago as a therapist, what everyone says to you is just a projection of their own stuff. Yes, I, I've learned you're, that. You're just a Rorschach, right? So, like, so what I so please, when you're talking to someone who's getting a divorce, ground yourself in your in your own stuff and be like, okay, what's this bringing up for me? And then ask them the most important question, which is, how can I support you? Not sorry, not oh my god, not what did he do or they do. How can I support you? Because that's when going through a divorce, what you need more than anything, which is support. It might be, I need you to make me a meal. Or for me, it was, I need you to take my kids. Just ask how you can support someone. And don't assume how anyone is feeling. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. Someone once said, I felt like I was telling people and many, like I had one friend just burst into tears, like burst into tears. And and anyway, and finally, after I, I remember like telling all these people and then someone said, is this a good thing or a bad thing? It, she was the first person who didn't, and I found out later she had been divorced, which I didn't mm-hmm. even know. You know, yeah. so yeah, I think people. There, yeah. Anyway, that's a good question to ask. How can I support you? Basically, in any kind of traumatic situation, to be honest, like that's a really good, a good go-to line. Exactly, and it also puts the focus on the other person, so the other person gets a moment to reflect on. Oh, talking about needs. What do I need? Yeah, they might not know, but right. Yeah. That's okay. I always think also just like send food, you know, you just, yeah. I mean, that's just my own bias. (laughs) Send food is my go-to send food, send flowers. Like that's my, you know, right. Right. Don't say anything about the ex. Don't say anything about your worries about them. Like they've heard it all. Yeah. Right. Like they have heard it all. Just ask how you can support them. Yeah. It's kind of like, no matter what, you're going through some sort of an earthquake, right? The ground is shifting under you and your whole family structure is changing and you might be moving and, you know, things are going to change. So whatever the cause of it, it doesn't even matter. Like your your family is shifting. How would you help someone with a shifting family? So. Exactly. How would you shift? How would you help someone with some a huge seismic shift? So now the person who, what about the person who's considering like, is this, should I be getting a divorce? Is this just what marriage is? How do I know if I need a divorce? Is it really that hard? It seems so hard. What about that person? Yeah. So first I like to always say that there, people think there's like, should I stay or should I go? But there's actually three positions. There's, I should stay, I should go, and I'm not sure. So I really encourage people to honor if you're in the, I'm not sure, that that is a real state to be in and to allow yourself to share with your friends. Like, I'm confused and I'm not sure. We're so uncomfortable with being confused. We want to have a narrative that makes sense and is closed. But what if we just say, I'm, I'm just not sure. And it takes a while for people to decide that it's right for them. And so I want to encourage people to take whatever time they need and do whatever they can to listen more to themselves, journal more, meditate, reflect on how you feel when you're with the person. Like be very curious and don't get so hung up on like, I have to decide by this certain point. It's much more important that you are 
more grounded, I want to say, in your decision than sure, actually, because you might never be totally sure. But if you can work on being grounded in your decision, that's way more important than doing it at the quote unquote right time. I feel like what you said earlier too, when you said you got to a point where you had to, right? Yeah. You just, you get to that point. Absolutely. And I, on my podcast, The Divorce Doctor, I interview women and ask them about their stories. And they always say like that moment, it's a buildup of all the other moments. Like for one person, it's like, you know, they're at the taco truck and he ordered the wrong thing. Like it's a small thing, but it's that moment when you're like, okay, I'm done. And only you can know when that is. So friends, like, just so you know, I get it. Like when you have a friend who's been complaining for a really long time about their relationship, you want to be like, just leave, you know, but just know that they're going to do it when it's the right time for them. And so you really just want to encourage people to continue to connect to what they're feeling and be curious about what they're noticing. And it'll come to them if it's meant to. What about managing kids? Because we both had kids. I had really little kids at the time too. I mean, it's been almost six years at this point. How do you handle, like, what is the overall advice and particularly surrounding custody and like the moving back and forth and the stress on the kids when they have to do that? Totally. So my two biggest pieces of advice, first, never talk smack about the other parent, like bottom line. And it is hard. I mean, you have righteous anger. In my book, I talk about righteous anger. Like you have reasons to be angry and they might be parenting really poorly, but kids cannot handle hearing one parent talk about the other negatively. And by the way, if you think you're like being subtle and talking like neutrally, you're probably talking negatively. (laughs) Like I promise you. And the reason is because kids need to feel connected and safe to both parents. They just have to. No matter how often in my situation, my kids weren't seeing their father that much, but they still needed to feel like he was of value in their life and they could feel safe with him. And so you must, How hard, you can talk to therapists, you can talk to friends, you can talk to coaches, you can talk to a lawyer, anything you want about what an asshole the person is, but please do not talk to the kids about it. Also, if kids hear you talking smack about the other parent, they know somewhere that one day you're going to talk smack about them. It makes them feel very emotionally insecure. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. That's the first thing. Like really, and that's one of the hardest, hardest things. I adopted this because as a child of divorce, like I knew that the person speaking ill of the other person will never get you to change your feelings about the other parent ever, no matter what, no matter how bad, no matter what they could dredge up you will never change how you feel about that person based on anything they said or anything they did in that relationship. Like it just won't happen. All it does is sort of poison the other relationship. So I I keep that in my mind all the time. Absolutely. I think that's such a good point to be because, and you, and you start, and also you just dig your heels in more to like, even if you want them to hate that other person, they're going to defend the other person. That's just natural because it's your adaptive biological need to feel connected to both of your parents. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is really to notice when you get triggered versus when your kids are getting triggered. So for example, your ex, you know, is late to pick your kids up. That might enrage you because you have, that has happened, of course, probably over and over to you. But you notice that your kids are kind of fine with it. Like they're kind of stoked to have more time on the iPad. They're like hanging out with you. They're not that disturbed. You need to really look at who's being affected here. Because if it's you, again, talk to someone else about it. But if it's them, if they're not being affected by it, you don't have to go all out and either like attack the other co-parent or even talk to your kid about it. I tell the story in the book about my ex-husband was remarried and he was having a baby with his wife. And I asked my 
kids when they were young, you know, how do they feel about the baby coming? Cause they had never lived primarily with their dad and I, he was good. The baby was going to live with them. So I kept asking how they feel, how they feel. And one day my nine-year-old son turned to me and said, mom, I'm okay, but how are you doing with yes. this? You keep asking me about it. And I was like, oh God, he's right. I was not, I was really having a hard time with it. Here, this person who had, wasn't there when I had little kids was now going to be this, you know, ideal father in my mind. I thought I was angry. I was upset. And I almost like shifted their visitation because of the baby, because I was like, oh, they might be having a reaction. They really weren't. And so I really had to get clear on my stuff instead instead of putting it on them. Interesting. How do you get clear on all your own stuff? It sounds like you have a really good therapist of your own. (laughs) I'm a really good therapist. And I just, well, I mean, basically this saying I always think about, if you're hysterical, it's historical. So the stuff that's getting you all worked up is likely from a time before where you were having a similar situation and didn't have your needs met. So I just kind of get out of this. I try to get out of this moment and figure out what I need. So usually it's like that I felt abandoned or that I feel unheard or I feel unseen because that was some of my early childhood experiences. So then I go to a friend who sees me or my partner. I, you know, I kind of try to help that part so that I can be there for the kids. Interesting. It's like oxygen mask on yourself before yeah. the kids. This is like a therapy or like emotional oxygen mask. Wow. And what about moms who are dealing with these hypothetical moms, all my questions. What about these hypothetical moms who suddenly have time to themselves without their kids after being, not that everybody listening is necessarily a mom, but just for those moms who, you know, the thought of not being with their kids keeps them where they are. And then if they end up leaving, having those times where the rooms are empty. So I really want to just take a moment to say how hard that is. You know, that is not what anyone who got married and had children was planning for. And sometimes that can be the most painful part for moms. I think also if you're used to being in a relationship that kind of wasn't working, you did a lot of managing. And so you probably didn't have a huge focus on like what you liked and what you needed. And so suddenly you have all this time like with yourself or with your if a new partner. And it's, it, it's a learning process. I mean, I don't think it happens overnight. I mean, I think there's like the first year, the second year, the five plus year. Like, I think that time alone really shifts and changes. I think there's a lot of expectations about how it's supposed to feel. Sometimes it feels great and sometimes it feels terrible. And I just recommend leaning in to whatever those feelings are and don't have any expectation. You know, you can make plans, but you know, make plans and you know, they not always get, you know, you can't always keep them. Make plans and cancel if you need to. Do what you need for you because it is a hard, hard time. My advice on this, not that you're asking, but I'm just going to unsolicited offer advice because that's what I do all the time. My mom, I never asked her to do this, but every Thursday at six when I would drop the kids, she would call me right away. No matter what, some weeks I was okay. Some weeks I was a mess. Mm. She did that for years. And I always knew that I was about, when I was about to walk away from the door, that she would be calling. And now she doesn't do that. And it still is really upsetting a lot of the time. You know, actually she was like, remember how I used to do that? And I didn't want to be like, yeah, can you, do you keep doing it? You know? <laughs> I'm like, I can't ask you now. I'm like middle-aged mom. I, like, why am I not over this sadness? But sometimes I'm really not. It's really hard to not be with your kids. And people think it's like so fun. You know, like people come over and they're like, this is my dream come true. You have a weekend all the time without your kids just to be with yourself. And it's like, okay, yeah, I have time. And I, I have been able personally to create this whole like 
book little world because yeah. I have all this time and I would never have done this ordinarily if I hadn't have been divorced. However, I would much rather have my kids every day, you know? Right. So, and I think I'm so glad you brought up about your mom calling because I really do recommend book ending, you know, before something happens and after something happens, having support. I think it's so important. And to not ever assume what someone is feeling. One weekend you might stay in bed. I read what you wrote. Like you might stay in bed the whole day and for the whole weekend. And, and that's no different than having like a great fun weekend with your friends. Like it's just however you, you need in that moment to spend your time. And it is really hard for parents. There's a biological connection. So when you're not with them, it hurts. Yeah. It's really like a joke that I position myself as any sort of like <laughs> stable person because I'm like constantly getting like so upset about things. And like, you know, some woman I didn't even know on Instagram yesterday was like, well, you had quite an emotional weekend because like one day I'm I'm like so sad at like 9-11 and I'm like sobbing yeah. and the next minute I'm like celebrating and like, that's as crazy as I feel. Anyway, same thing with divorce. It's like, oh, but that's, that's human. That's living in this, that's the human experience. Someone who's feeling your feelings. I mean, we can, it's the gold. I talk about it as a golden ant. Like you can be so deeply in grief and so incredibly grateful for what you have. It, we, we live in a world where we think we can only feel one feeling. We can feel more than one feeling at a time. You can feel relief and grief about your divorce. You can be so grateful to be able to eat cereal for dinner when your kids aren't around and be looking at pictures of them because you miss them so much. Like both of those things can be true at the same time. True. And cereal is great. Yeah. Don't knock the cereal. I mean, that's exactly. No, no, I love that. But not having to cook. I mean, there's a lot of things that are really yeah. lovely about it. And there's also parts that are really hard. I know. Sometimes they leave and I talk to Kyle, my husband now, and he's like, what are you doing for dinner? I'm like, I don't want to talk about dinner. I don't want to think yeah. about food. I'm so sick of play, like figuring out with the kids. I, I just, I, nothing sounds good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. I'm so over it. So if people are really in need of some extra counseling. Yeah. Are you still accepting new patients? Do you do Zooms? Do they have to, you know, how do, what is your own practice like? So I have a, I run a group practice in New York city and I have clinicians who've been trained in the way that I teach how to heal through a divorce. I also have a few slots for kind of intensive coaching that I do, but we do it over zoom now. And I'm available also to answer any questions that people have. And I mostly want people to know that it's so brave to take on either accepting that someone wants a divorce from you or that you aren't happy in your relationship. It's so brave. It is brave. What is your website? Where can people find you? My website is drelizabethcohen.com, which is DR. And on Instagram, I'm at the divorce doctor. At the divorce doctor. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited that we chatted again and that you wrote this book and like that you're spending your life helping people get through a really, really pivotal moment and a time of a lot of pain. And, you know, I bet you are that, I mean, this sounds ridiculously cheesy, but you are <laughs> that light, I bet, to a lot of people because just having someone out there helping them through is sometimes, that's it. That's the difference between like, you know, never getting out of bed and, and being able to like get to the next day. I mean, having a, a an ally in it. And if it's the book, that's great. And if it's a community or it's a family member, I think it's really important to feel connected somehow when you're going through this stuff. Anyway. It's really important. And I have a, I also have a membership for women who are going through divorce to support each other. And it's powerful when you see other people going through it, supporting each other. We need each other. We really need each other to get through these hard times. Do you have a group for people who just get sad when their kids leave? Because <laughs> I would join that group. 
Maybe you could do like, doesn't matter how long you've been divorced group, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Or the ongoing, I mean, that's, it's also an ongoing experience. Even if you're over the divorce of the, of the actual divorce, there's the lifestyle parts. Yes. The lifestyle parts. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think we're making it sound very pleasant. There are really good things about, you know, getting out of a, a marriage that isn't right. So I didn't mean for this episode to sound in any way dissuading that, you know, any, I, I don't know, maybe I haven't. Anyway, just go buy the book, Light on the Other Side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming Thank you on. so much for having me. <laughs> it was so good to see you. I, I hope to see you in real life soon. That would I be hope really so fun. too. I would, I would love that. Love that. I would love that. I assume you'll have a lot of book stuff, so I can't wait to hear all about it, all the events. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 